Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. On this episode of Big Boys Don't Cry, we discuss the 2014 film Winter's Tale. You don't have to have seen the film to enjoy the podcast, but if you do proceed and listen without having seen the film, just be aware that we may discuss the plot and there may be spoilers. Enjoy. Tale, a New York ship piece. Winter's Tale. <laughs> is that all you got? That's what I got. That's what I got. What is that song? I vaguely recognise it. It's a Winter's Tale by David Essex. Oh yes, of course. Which um, he did for the soundtrack of this film, of course. Yes, um, David Essex, obviously famous for being the father of Joey Essex. Yeah, um, and founding the only, way, the is only way is Essex. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what the only way is Essex is all about. It's about David Essex. Yeah, in his life, and how, all and his how songs are in life. it at some point. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, how are you? How are you on this fine winter's evening? Yeah, greetings from Plague Island. As we are now known yeah. to the rest of the world. <laughs> yep, we are the plague island. Yep. That is us. I've not got the plague, so that's good. That is good. You know, we're good. the we're the lucky ones, aren't we, to have not gotten the plague? Yes, yeah. I have been stuck in my house for most of the year, and I have avoided the plague, which is good. Yeah, it's it's you know it's it's fine. Most of the things that I do in my house are in my house anyway apart from playing music so it's fine it's fine really i'm just going slightly mad at this point which you can do in your house what was that which you can do in your house can you can you hear me i can you're going a bit oh that's weird (laughs) yes how about now yeah it's, it's it's going a bit odd at my end i don't know what's going on oh Hold on, I'm moving my laptop slightly to see if that's the problem. How about no? Okay, that's sounding good. That's sounding good. Good. How about no? How now, brown cow? How now, brown bureaucrat? So yes, yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I, what I said before was, have you ever had a plague test? I have not had a plague test, no. No, I haven't had a plague I've test. I've had one. And it came back negative for plague, so that's good. But positive for being cool. Sorry, what? Positive for being cool. Yeah, exactly. Welcome to downtown Coolsville. Population, us. The very excellent sequel to Downton Abbey, Downtown Coolsville. (laughs) That's a show I would watch. Hugh Bonneville, and he's got like a backwards cap and sunglasses on, and he's like Poochie the dog, just trying to be really (laughs) down with the kids. Exactly. That's what we want. Or, Or like... A reality TV show where you put a load of Zoomers into the Downton Abbey house and just see what they do. Downtown Coolsville. Yeah. And they're all TikToking it and stuff. Joyriding on the horse and carriage. Yeah, just... For the m- lols. Mentally abusing the servants. It's, yeah. And then telling all the fucking boomers in the government that they're not going to take it anymore. Yeah. They're not going to take it. They're not going to take it anymore. 
and they actually will not they're mad as hell and they're not going to take it anymore <laughs> and they actually will not stand for the climate crisis and the inaction and the inertia of the successive governments that have come before them and genuinely i feel hopeful for the future for that reason yes i'm not um every generation has had this moment where they've been yeah we're not going to take what the previous generation's done and then you do like people said that about us and then we just got anxiety across an entire generation and debt and got stuck yep which is probably going to happen we're in the middle of another that the zoomers are facing the same kind of economic issues that we faced at the same age um and i i highly doubt yeah except they've got tiktok They've, they've got TikTok, but it wasn't too long ago that we had Vine, and Vine didn't change the world. Oh, I love Vine. All it did Remember was... Remember that one where like, the guy's playing the trombone and the kid's hitting the oven door? Yes. <laughs> that was my favourite Vine. very good. And, and TikTok is... What is TikTok if not Vine? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, uh, maybe I'm just nihilistic after the heartwarming story of Winter's Tale, but yeah <laughs> well, i thought you were gonna say after the heartwarming story of 2020 <laughs> or the heartwarming story of 2020 but if this year has taught us anything it's that if you look at the opinion polls the absolute fucking idiots that are in charge of a lot of the countries with the worst <laughs> with the worst uh reactions to covid and the incoming economic crises that surround it are still incredibly popular yeah i think they're doing a great job yeah um, so I, I highly doubt that the future is going to be any different until we literally rise up in a Marxist revolution and kill them all. Yeah, this message which should have happened in Winter's Tale. This message brought to you by Winter's Tale. Winter's Tale yeah. is all about murdering the rich, seizing the means yeah. of production, eating them, literally eating them. Um, no, it's not. But it, what it is is possibly the greatest shit piece since. <laughs> Um, since Jupiter ascending, since Jupiter is it ascending. is it fair to say that? Am I get? Am I? Yeah, I I say that's fair. Am I yeah. hyping it up too much, or do you think that that's a fair assessment? No, I'd, I'd say that's a fair assessment for sure. It's not. It's got nothing on Jupiter ascending, but it's it's trying very very hard to fly close to it on a winged white horse. Yes, yeah, exactly. So so for 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 new listeners who do not know what a shit piece is, a shit piece is not. It's not a bad film. Um, it doesn't no. mean that the movie is awful, in spite of the fact that it has the word shit in it. Instead, a shit piece is a ma- <laughs> it's a majestic bad film, isn't it? It's a movie yeah. that has something so bizarre and so fantastical that you can't help but love it, in spite of the fact that it makes no sense. And I think, and it's not just a film that's so bad it's good either. No, you know, it's no. it's not as simple as that. It's the definition of a shit piece is deep. See, a shit piece has layers. A shit piece is an onion. A stinky onion. A stinking onion. Um or a cake. Um Yeah. And 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 yeah, so a shit piece, it's 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 not just a bad movie. It almost falls into it's films that yeah, almost there are layers of gold in there. The, it, it almost falls into the cult classic territory, doesn't it? Where there's weird memeable moments. And I think that's what Jupiter Ascending does. Jupiter Ascending has dog eared Channing Tatum with rocket boots. Ergo, it's the greatest film. There's Eddie Redmayne going, I am the most evil villain in the world. Um, (laughs) And and this movie, it has plenty of moments. So the movie opens with a a mother and father fashioning a tiny baby boat and throwing it into the ocean. 
Oh my god, so much happened that I've forgotten that that happened. Yes. <laughs> so much is packed into this film. And, and that's one that, that's one of time. the more subtle moments of this movie. That's one of the less notable moments of nonsense in this film. But yes, on board this ship, they're not allowed to dock. They're not allowed to get off. Instead, they think we must give our child the best chance of life. So let's put him in a tiny boat we've made and cast him, in him into the toy ocean. Boat. <laughs> cast him into the ocean in the hopes that he'll make it to New York City. Um, yeah. Which he does, which he does. Um, and for some reason, Colin Farrell grows up in New York with an Irish accent. Um, yeah. Even though the people who find him are Native American, I think. But uh, wasn't he raised by Russell Crowe, the the inexplicably Irish demon gangster? Well, he was he was found by Russell Crowe. But what my understanding was that it was when he was already quite young. So it wasn't as though right. Russell Crowe found him as a baby and then was like, "I will raise you as my own with my bad Irish accent." Um, <laughs> obviously, Colin Farrell's accent is not bad because he's actually Irish. But Russ, no. Russell Crowe's, it's a good bad Irish accent, isn't it? I'd say yeah. he's got the goddamn horse. <laughs> so I write that down. So yes. Yeah, so um, I'd like a pair of wings myself. <laughs> so uh, that's literally what it's like. <laughs> I'm taking the piss, but that is what it sounds like. <laughs> it's it's wonderful. Um, but yeah. So so um, at some point, clearly, Colin Farrell has has grown up in the city. But you do, you don't find out about his backstory until after you see him running through the streets of sometime in new york it's worth pointing out that this movie is called winter's tale worldwide but in the uk it's called new york winter's tale right um which presumably because everyone in the uk is so cultured and educated they'd confuse it with shakespeare's a winter's tale either that or they confuse it with david essex's uh sad christmas song oh of course yep which I think is more likely because we... And the only way is Essex, we're, of course, we're, is so popular here. Yeah, they had to differentiate from that. <laughs> exactly, because after all, we're, we're not the most cultured island. We are, in fact, Plague Island full of turfs, which I think is <laughs> our current status. I thought you were going to say turds. Same, would same thing, valid. isn't it, really? Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's... it's um, yeah, so it's called New York Winter's Tale in the UK, and I think that's a, a even better name. I know it's based on a book, but I think given how New York this movie is and how much it talks about New York constantly, I think New York needs to be in the name of this movie officially, yeah. doesn't it? Um, I bet you the like conservative commentators who love this film and wrote reviews about it said that New York was a character in the film. Oh yes, yes, I'm sure, I'm sure. Um, but uh, but yeah, so so Colin Farrell, we first see he's being chased by a gang of thugs led by Irish Russell Crowe. Colin Farrell beats one up, and then he's caught by the rest, and they pull out their guns. But thankfully, there's a horse there, which Colin Farrell calls Horse. It's randomly just standing there. It's just standing there. Oh, hello, Horse. Hello, Horse. Um, So he gets on the (laughs) horse because it bows to him and lets him on, which is very strange. Um, And it turns out that it's a magic horse, and it grows wings, and he flies off no explanation no explanation whatsoever i love it magic horse (laughs) out of nowhere colin farrell flying around period new york on a magic winged horse oh this is pure shit piece territory and i'm i'm loving this film looks great there's another thing that often can make a shit piece good is really really good cinematography and really good photography and everything let's just say director of photography on this zoe deschanel's dad who is a famous 
director of photography. Um, and I think it looks great. It it does look great, doesn't it? I <laughs> I think this movie has been a little bit lambasted for its special effects and things, but actually I quite enjoy it. And it's got a kind it's got a kind of hokey, um schmaltzy quality to it, which I think really suits its subject matter because it is it is this ridiculously overly over the toply romantic nonsense and it needs that lens flare every five seconds it needs that sort of smoky quality everywhere it needs there to be snow constantly um to to really to really get you in in wrapped in its nonsense story doesn't it so yeah i'm on i'm i fully agree 100%. with you i fully agree with you there's a quality to it that's not unlike twilight isn't there would you agree with that that's something that i i thought it had a, a similar kind of hazy haziness to it where they know that every single line that everyone says is supposed to be making some kind of grand statement about love that's going to make you cry if you're 14 and it's like that's all kind of behind this magical misty haze of love Yes, yeah, I think I think that's completely right. It has this kind of otherworldly quality that Twilight does. And I think it's slightly more effective than Twilight in that Twilight is incredibly boring a lot of the time. Whereas at, <laughs> it really is. Whereas at least loads happens in Winter's Tale. <laughs> it, it, it's a film that is constantly moving because if it stops moving, you're going to realise that everything in it is a piece of shit. So it just keeps you moving constantly. It's like, <laughs> if it stopped for a second, you'd suddenly go, hang on. Russell Crowe's not Irish. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But because you're constantly going somewhere else and you're thinking, oh, baby boat. Oh, magic horse. Oh, frozen tent woman. Oh, <laughs> inexplicable, <laughs> tent woman. inexplicable well, hundred year gap. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's because it does that. It's, um, it kind of gets around it, doesn't it? And I, I, I think that helps keeps it, keeps its fantastical quality, um, yeah. rolling. Um, it feels fresh in a way. Like every scene, you're like, "Wow, I didn't see that coming." Yeah, I did <laughs> not. Like, Where are we going next? I did not expect <laughs> someone to put that into a plot at any point. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> so it is based on a novel. Um, yes. By I realized I thought I hadn't heard of it before, but I realized I had because in my old job I had uh, I had to kind of look through all of the covers. I was looking for like classic covers of books that the company had published, and one of them was this book. Interestingly, and have you seen the cover of it? It's from 1983. It's a really beautiful cover that I really love. Oh, cool. No, I haven't seen the cover. I will... Hang on. I'm going to share it with you because I want you to see it. It's got the horse on it, obviously. Of course. The the best bit of the movie, the horse. Yeah. Everyone loves the horse. Oh, that is a very pretty cover. I like that. Yeah. Beautiful. But yeah, um, by Mark Helprin, who I didn't know much about before this... But it seems like he's both a writer and a conservative commentator. So that's always worrying, isn't it? <laughs> it is always worrying, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I write books, but also I want to bomb the Middle East. Um, yeah. <laughs> and you're like, just keep, keep writing books, keep writing books. Um, yeah. And he's also, he's written like a bunch of books about how he's really scared of like digital culture removing copyright on things and he's like really like he's for like ultra tight copyright and stuff and he's yeah a very interesting conservative guy and as as well we we've discussed copyright on on this podcast before but yeah you don't believe in it at all well i do believe in it but i think when you want everyone to steal our work but i think when you're dead copyright is gone if you die you're gone or, or maybe yeah. if you die when you're young, your family gets it, 
until you would have been 50 or something like that. So after we're dead, everyone can have our movie ideas and your songs. Yeah, exactly. They can have that song of you going, Christmas, it's (laughs) Christmas time. And the one of you singing about Marriage Story. Those will be copyright free and people can sell them and pass them off as their own. Yeah, do it. Do it. I I think that's fine. I I don't believe in inherited wealth or in inherited... um, inherited intellectual property i suppose so get on it and and basically just to stop things like the absolute nonsense of whoever has the rights to to arthur conan doyle's estate complaining that um that sherlock holmes showed emotion in the movie enola holmes therefore they deserve (laughs) money that shit does not deserve to happen get in the fucking even though nobody cares because sherlock holmes is boring (laughs) The best things about Sherlock Holmes are the things that mess around with Sherlock Holmes. If I see another Sherlock Holmes adaptation where, oh, he's he's a snarky guy who takes drugs and he's smart, but he's rude. It's like, fuck off. Fuck off with that shit. I want to see him running around with his teenage daughter, uh, with his teenage sister. I want to see him making fart jokes with Will Ferrell, you know? Yes, that I do want to yeah. see. Uh, Still. I, I'm, I'm done with, with, with smart, sarky Sherlock Holmes. Um, and I'm done with Arthur Conan Doyle's estate, and you guys do not deserve any money whatsoever. Um, so yeah, copyright, get in the bin. Get in the bin with your copyright. So you're on his side with this, even though it seems like there's the, some commentary on on Winter's Tale has written it written up that it's a capitalist fantasy, which maybe comes across more in the book than in the film. But it's all kind of, oh, everything happens for a reason, and you should just let things happen, and it's just fine, which I guess is the same as saying that, like, the market will regulate itself. Yeah, but I don't think it's saying that, is it? It's it's telling it. People can read that into it if they like, but I think that is is perhaps reading into it based on someone's knowledge of the author as opposed to what was actually intended in the in the piece. At least going off the the, the film anyway. Um, where yeah, you can say that, but you can say that about literally any fantasy story where destiny is brought up and say that it's a hyper capitalist um, story can't you you could turn to star wars and say oh luke is uh spoiler alert for star wars uh by the <laughs> way luke is luke is darth vader's son uh ergo it is destiny for him to either destroy or or, or bring balance to the force oh destiny that's hyper capitalist everything's going to balance itself out george lucas meant this to be a hyper capitalist work well in fact he didn't and if you read about the subtext of it, actually, a lot of it is based around anti-war, um, anti-fascism and things like that. Um, so, yeah, maybe people are reading a bit too much into it. Going off the film anyway, I don't see anything in here that's meant that comes across as right wing or capitalist or neoliberal or free market in any way, shape or form. What I do see is magic horse. Yeah, it's all about the horse. <laughs> I see magic horse. I, and I'd even say that it's maybe anti-capitalist because you see that the, 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 um, the status of the world that we're in is causing, you know, um, good people to be forced to turn to lives of crime, um, true romantics to die young, uh, innocent children to get cancer and only a miracle saves them. I'd say, isn't that yeah. actually an indictment? But isn't there like a voiceover system? at the end that's all like, Oh, sometimes, you know, the universe is looking out for every single one of us and we just have to let it happen because we've all got a miracle and an angel outside us, inside us or whatever. Yeah, but you could say the same thing about 
a Christmas Carol and incredibly anti-capitalist work, couldn't you? It's, oh, everyone's got a miracle in them. Scrooge can see the light. Everyone's got three ghosts yeah. that come to them. One of them's a horse. Yeah, the, the 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 system is going to sort itself out because of intervention by magic beings is is how you could read into uh, Christmas Carol. Obviously, the, the less interesting written adaptation of acclaimed classic Muppets Christmas Carol. Yeah. But what if I told you that um, a producer credit on the film was Stephen Mnuchin, who was Donald Trump's United States Secretary of the Treasury? Do you know about this? Well, he actually does quite a lot of executive production on various movies. So um, I think Zack Snyder's movies often have him involved. So I can't remember if it's his his adaptation of Dawn of the Dead or whether it was the Batman movies or whether it was the superman the first superman film he did but he he crops up quite a lot as a producer um yeah. which is which is interesting um i've got his filmography in front of me guy ritchie's king arthur that is actually quite a good film Let that <laughs> i know you're in. not going to believe me on that but it's actually <laughs> wait the disaster artist holy shit yeah he does loads of of um he does loads of production he did mad max fury road which um for instance um as well which is not um in any way a uh, <laughs> a, a capitalist movie um yeah so so i wouldn't necessarily read into that because, really strange because a lot of these people uh the lego movie for instance he did um yeah and then sad batman versus sad superman jupiter did that jupiter ascending no yes really yeah oh so maybe he's the common factor in the shit piece. <laughs> he's the common factor in the shit piece. <laughs> the um, Lego movie's not a shit piece. I, I saw that on a plane. It was good. Yes, it is good, actually. Um, yeah, so I, I wouldn't necessarily read too much into it because... Um, conser- is King Arthur film a shit piece? King Arthur you can is... tell me because I'm never going to watch that King shit. Arthur is a shit piece and that's why it's good. Um, right, okay. If, if you imagine Charlie Hunnam going... Oi, oi, I'm King Arthur, and here's a sneaky little scheme to go get the crown. Oh, shit, there's Jude Law and some evil magic. Uh-oh, better go fucking punch some people. It is wonderful. Um, if you haven't watched it, this isn't to Paddy, because I know Paddy's never going to watch it. Are you telling me that Guy Ritchie's good? I'm not telling you Guy Ritchie's good, but I am saying that occasionally he has his moments. And King Arthur Legend of the Sword is one of those moments. It is really fun. And listeners, give it a go. I know it didn't get very good reviews, but actually it's quite good fun. And it's really nonsense. And get on it. Um, But yeah, uh, conservative hawks are all over film production. Um, That's some, really interesting. Some t- Stephen Shippiece Mnuchin. We'll, <laughs> yeah, well, we'll give him a pass for this. Stephen Shippiece Mnuchin. Um, but yeah, conservative hawks are all over production. Some of it comes down to um, sometimes movies, if they want to use um, sort of US military locations or units or uh, vehicles, um, oftentimes they'll have to strike a deal with the US military in order to do that. So the Marvel movies um, often will have that. And and it's often a uh, an example of why you don't see negative um depictions of soldiers and things like that in certain films is that they have signed these deals to get access to certain locations or vehicles uh, and in doing so some some conservative comes on board as an executive producer helps with all of that and in doing so is then like 
Ah, let's just put a little bit more American exceptionalism into this piece of piece of shit movie. <laughs> there we go, done and yeah. dusted. Um, what this film needs is a bit more of the Irish American Peaky Blinders. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, which which is what it needs. And but it but instead, you you get little bits of it. But what I love is how it's all enshrined in bizarre Christian mythology, but in a very strange way so this is all about god and satan and angels but god isn't seen yeah. the 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 um angels are no one seen. says god at any point do they no no um uh, angels are referred to every so often and you see these little guardian angels here and there um including i think the horse he's the guardian angel isn't he but then there's also yeah um there's also his friend um who also he's loving angels instead he <laughs> <laughs> exactly um so so yeah um <laughs> oh dear um but but yeah so so they're um yeah they're, they're, so they've all referred to that but then you've also got um you've also got the the, the evil element so you've got uh pearly soames pearly soames <laughs> Russell Crowe's oh, Irish. It took us twenty minutes to mention that name. Irish mobster. Best name of any, any villain ever. I mean, it is a. There are some amazing names in this. Obviously, you know, you've got to do boring ones like like Peter Lake, etc. Who's our, our lead from character. Emerson Lake and Palmer. From Emerson Lake and Palmer. But you've got Ramio Tan, who's uh, <laughs> who's who's uh, Pearly Soames's right hand man, who he kills later on. Um, but He's it, the one who looks like Billy Zane. <laughs> yeah exactly but isn't billy zane but isn't zilly billy zane um zilly yeah. bane, zilly bane. yeah um but yeah so there's there's loads of great names in this um but uh but yes yeah, but he is actually also a demon and he goes and speaks to satan in a couple of really bizarre scenes where <laughs> satan speaks to satan who is literally just will smith in normal clothes in a dark room so so most of this movie set in it, what is it ni- early 1900s um, yeah, it's like turn of the century. Yeah, turn turn of the century New York. And Pearly Soames goes into this dark room and is like, Oh, hello, Satan. I'm Pearly Soames. Um <laughs> and and uh I've got the goddamn horse. And he turns on a light and he's like, I need some help getting this horse and getting this cheeky Colin Farrell. Um and lo and behold, it's Will Smith there in a t shirt and a jacket. <laughs> Just modern being Will day, Smith. modern day t-shirt and a jacket, and I I love this because yeah, if you're Satan, why would you wear period clothes? You you clearly have all sorts of powers. I imagine that time travel is one of them. Just pop well, over. He goes on a really bizarre rant about time, apropos of nothing, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah. He's like, I am beyond time, which is why I wear American Apparel t-shirts. <laughs> Exactly, with Jimi <laughs> Hendrix on them. I think it was Jimi Hendrix. You couldn't see the whole face. Was it? Yeah, you couldn't see the whole face on the design because it was covered with a waistcoat. I think. Um, but uh, but yeah, I think he's he's in a um, he's in a Jimi Hendrix t-shirt. But yeah, why wouldn't he be wearing something more comfortable than a fucking suit from 1905? You know. Yeah. Um, I, I, and I I really love that. And those bizarre scenes where Russell Crowe, a demon, is speaking to William Smith. The devil. Oh, I love Lucifer. it so much. I love it. He calls him Lou, doesn't he? He does. Like, affectionately. Um, yeah, so I, I literally, I made notes on this because I felt I needed to in case I missed out on things. And I've literally, in capital letters, written Will Smith as the devil in a t-shirt. Um, 
<laughs> I want that on a t-shirt. It's 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 wonderful. It's absolutely wonderful. Um, but but the the moment before that is one of my favourite scenes in this movie, and I haven't seen anyone else talking about this at any point. But but Russell Crowe's there sitting in a restaurant, and the waiter asks, "What do you want?" And yeah. he says, "Oh, I'd like an owl, please." <laughs> A South African owl. I'd like an owl. Uh, the the poor waiter says, "Oh, I'm sorry, we don't have owls." And Russell Crowe slits his throat and then draws yep. in his blood, uh, and 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 later on says, "Yes, I used the blood of a virgin to 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 work out this this uh, this prophecy of this red haired girl." It's like this poor guy, this, this poor virgin waiter. Gets asked to serve this guy an owl, can't do it, and then gets murdered for it. And do you think when like Russell Crowe got the script, he was thinking, "Oh, I really, really hope I'm going to kill someone because the owl isn't on the menu." <laughs> I think he was probably read the script and thought, "Oh, I really hope they change it so I get to eat an owl." <laughs> yeah, exactly. Wouldn't who wouldn't want to eat an owl? I can imagine. Or in crispy owl. I can imagine Russell Crowe chowing down on an owl if the script suggested it. He seems. Yeah. He's, he seems like a man who'll do all, all sorts for a movie. Um, yeah, but no, with Pearly, if he's doing something other than being a shit or asking for celestial help, it's to do with the, that weird light stuff that and like making prophecies out of it, isn't it? Yes, yeah, exactly. Oh, man, so you knew that was coming. It's so good. It's so good. I, I absolutely adore the weird. <laughs> I adore the weird mythology of this movie. Yeah. Um, it has a really interesting because. I'd, I'd say that the mythology aspect of this film actually works and it has this kind of self-contained logic of this war between angels and demons but sometimes the angels have made deals with the demons and they're going to go help that kind of stuff um yeah i've find- got a horse who's a dog yeah got a horse who's a dog <laughs> and uh, <laughs> russell crowe several times refers to the horse as a dog and that is never explained, is it? Nope. No. Not at all. It's clearly in the um That old white dog. It's clear it's clearly in the, the original book. There's probably some explanation as to why he's referring to it as a He keeps referring to it as like the old the old white dog. Yeah. The old white dog he ain't what he used to be. <laughs> um But but I think this is one of those all time great entertaining Russell Crowe performances. Um, 100%. This I, is up there with Javert, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Because I, I, I really love Russell Crowe. I, I, I absolutely adore him. Um, if you haven't had a chance to watch the true history of the Kelly gang yet, I highly recommend you watch it. So oh, yes. He's, he's not the lead in it. He's like the evil mentor figure for, um, for Ned Kelly. Um, and he sings one of the most entertaining crude songs I've ever heard in my life. And I won't be able to repeat it on this podcast because it is so rude. But I know you would get a kick out of it, as would the, as would the other members of uh, Palomino Club, because of the, the foul language used in it. Um, and yeah, he's he's absolutely riveting in that film. Um, he's always good in films where he's not the lead and terrible in films where he is the lead, right? Well, I, I'd say that he's good in films where he is the lead as well. Um, often they're more serious films, which I know you're not a fan of. You like films where a dog. Learns. I do not like a serious you, film. You like films Fuck where that. dogs learn how to play sports, and that's basically <laughs> it. Um, yeah. Why hasn't Russell Crowe done any of those? He could have played a dog. But 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 films or a like horse. <laughs> films like A Beautiful Mind and Gladiator are really good. Oh, Gladiator. Yeah, we'll give um, them that. Are, are really good. And then you've got other films like um, like The Nice Guys, which is very funny. Um, where it's him, Not seen him it. and Ryan Gosling are sort of uh, the dual lead in that. It's very, very good. Um, direct- I've never seen a Beautiful Mind either. Oh, it is good. It is good. 
Um, yeah, so so I wouldn't necessarily say that he's not good when he's in the lead. I think he's he's equally excellent, but maybe he's allowed to do a little bit more and have a little bit more uh, wiggle room with his performance when he's not the lead. And that's when you right. see the real charming side of Russell Crowe come out in films like this, where he's a, a scarred-faced demon Irish gangster <laughs> who fucking hates horses. <laughs> It's the role he was born to play. Oh, yeah, you can't decide whether he hates the the horse more than Peter Lake, yeah. who believes in Father Christmas. I believe in Father Christmas. Oh. I love that song, by the way. That's one that's of my that's one of my favorite Christmas songs. Yeah, and when the brass comes in, like halfway through, like perfect. So good, so good. Um, yeah, it's it's. Yeah, it's 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 an interesting film, isn't it? And I, I, I like I said, I do think that that internal logic works quite well, and that kind of it immerses you in the shit piece, doesn't it? Yes, yeah, hundred percent. Um, and 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 you kind of get this idea about this is a very very long running battle. So there's this great line from Pearly when he's talking Pearly when he's <laughs> when he's talking to the devil when he's talking to Lucifer, um, where he says, um, "I'll tell you something that should chill your blood." No matter how far we tip the scales our way, no matter how many of them we turn dark, nothing seems to break their capacity for hope. They pass it back and forth like the flu at a preschool fair. We're losing, Lucifer, one bright star at a time. We're losing. And I think that kind of sums up the whole message of this movie, isn't it? Is you've got this um, vagabond thief who falls in love, his girl dies, he falls off a bridge, he gets insomnia, but even then he can pass on his his miracle. Um he falls off a bridge and then suddenly it's 2014 and he doesn't know where he is, but he's alive 100 years later. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No explanation. No explanation. And eventually... It, Angels or something. Eventually it gets explained that... Okay, we haven't talked about the romance in this movie and we probably should. Um, yeah. We are a romance podcast after all. Um, so, so, actually, yeah, before we get on to him falling off a bridge... Um, <laughs> In, after being chased by the spear boys after being, like the gun boys yeah of this film <laughs> yeah being chased by the spear boys um so so he's on his way out of of new york he's like oh shit i better get out of new york this ain't great um because i'm being chased by pearly um but instead uh he goes into he breaks into this house to steal some stuff to help him get on his way um but he meets um a lady yeah, um, and he's like, "Ooh, this is a beautiful lady. I'm clearly immediately in love with her. I will not rob this house." Yeah, a pretty young lady played by Jessica Brown Findlay, who is um, very good. Um, yeah, and I actually, I think her performance in this is very, very good. Um, she she's great in general. So a lot of people might recognise her from um, Black Mirror or the recent Brave New World TV adaptation. Um, but um, but yeah, she's she's very interesting in this. Um, and she's in the Downton Abbey. She is in in, in the Downton Abbey as well. Um, but she's very interesting in this as this kind of young uh, girl with consumption. Is it that she's got? Yeah, she's got tuberculosis. She's been poisoned by her constituents. To quote uh, "Always Sunny in Philadelphia." Do you, do you remember that scene in in Always yeah. Sunny? It's great. Um, where, where Charlie has has pretends that he's an oil tycoon with consumption. It's very very good. <laughs> um but uh, yeah so so she's got she's got consumption um she has to stay cool at all times so she sleeps in a tent on the roof in the winter 
I don't know if that's how you deal with consumption. I, I don't imagine, know if that's how you stay cool. I imagine just the Zoomers. I, I imagine. I imagine not. I imagine that's probably not the best way to 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 solve consumption. Um, but he immediately falls in love with her. He sees her and is like, "Oh, I love you now." Uh, there's no build-up. This is love at first sight in the most atrocious, creepy way. Um, yeah. But it kind of works in this movie because it's all about fucking angels and shit. So and she doesn't call security. No, no. Um, and it it often in these kind of things where there is this love at first sight, it almost feels quite predatory. Um, but here it kind of works because it's it's so wrapped up in other nonsense that you kind of forgive regular movie nonsense appearing like this when you're still thinking why is there a flying horse (laughs) it doesn't feel that way because she's so sort of into it isn't she yeah yeah it's like she's very very much immediately trying to be this sort of open-hearted lovely person and you do go along with it don't you yeah yeah um and and i think more than any other character in the movie um she sort of um beverly is the character name and beverly kind of uh, personifies the themes of the film in terms of it doesn't matter what your circumstances it doesn't matter where you're from or where you're going uh be kind and be loving and that's the most important thing and i think that's kind of the, the general theme of the movie is you can stop will smith as the devil if you're kind and loving is the kind yeah. of general thing and, and he'll just go away and he'll just and he'll just he'll just go away. He'll just be like well i we lost this one pearly's dead Never see me. Yeah, um, the way he does, he talks. He seems like he'd be cool with it. Yeah, he'd be like, oh, okay, that's fine. That's fine. He doesn't seem very, very angry, does he? It's really, really funny because the first scene when Russell Crowe goes to talk to him, he's like talking in the dark room, and you get a bit of a loud voice, and it's very, very much like um, Kylo Ren talking to Emperor Snoke or something. And then suddenly it's just Will Smith in the t-shirt. You're like, all right, fine. <laughs> yeah, it does <laughs> have that feel, cool. doesn't it? As this kind of um intimidating figure and suddenly it's just i'm will smith um and i didn't know that will smith was in this film i think they hid that didn't they before it came out they wanted i didn't know either they wanted it to be sort of a surprise um for people um and and so yeah it's it's cool and and i think her character works quite well and normally it's the kind of character that i hate in a movie where it's just this kind of um idealistic depiction of a of a woman where her themes are entirely tied in to love and romance but here it it kind of is only there to serve the grandification of the male character yes yeah but is that a word it is now it is now um but but here it kind of works and i think it works because the rest of it is so strange that it almost grounds it and for a little while gives it this direction where you're thinking okay so i mean she's gonna die obviously um but is he going to bring her back? Is it going to go in another direction? And interestingly yeah. enough... It, is she going to become an angel? Yeah, and it, interestingly enough, it does go in another direction. So um, she does die. Um, and then uh, and then Colin Farrell falls off a bridge. He gets chased by Russell Crowe. Russell Crowe beats him up a bit and then chucks him off a bridge. Headbutts him into the river. <laughs> yeah, in, in an exceptionally Russell Crowe attack, I have to say. It's very on brand there for his yeah. character. It's great. Um, uh, but then... You think that's the end of it, but no. <laughs> Hundred years later, Colin Farrell reappears. He's got amnesia because, of course, he does. He doesn't know who he is, um, and he's off wandering around modern-day New York. Now, I was hoping for more nonsense of him running around New York, going, "Yeah, what's this? Oh, what? What? I don't know who I am. Where are all the horses? What's a iPhone?" 
Oh dear! <laughs> but instead, he's he draws on the he draws on the pavement a bit, and then he he wanders off to go and speak to some journalists, and goes, "Help me! I this is a name. Can you help me find this person?" Except yeah, somehow he finds the like things that he stashed in the thing above Grand Central Station a hundred years ago, as if they would still be there. Somehow he finds his way there and finds like a little sweet wrapper. With the name of a place on it, no explanation as to how he finds it. Well, it's magic. Uh, he's right, got yeah. the magic. So the magic guided him that far. Yeah, he's got he's got guardian angels, but they're they're busy. They're, it's not one guardian right. angel per person, Paddy. They look so after thousands of people. They made him wait a hundred years. Well, they they couldn't find him because he fell in the river and then was wandering around. You know, they've got right. other they've got other people to tend to. You know, got other wishes. Yeah, sure. Donald Trump was there wishing for another golden toilet and the, yeah he's he's about 100 years old and the guardian angel was like oh god i've got to go get this guy another golden toilet hold on and off he flies to go and get some gold leaf to put around his toilet um and then suddenly the little page the little angel pager goes off it's like oh colin farrell's reappeared that's great right i'll go and help him for a bit instead and so they guide him to the little sweet wrapper and uh they go oh Gotta go. Stephen Nuchin needs to go make another shit piece movie. Gotta go. <laughs> yeah, we just got sorry, we just got a page from Stephen Shitpiece Mnuchin. <laughs> exactly. I've got to go help. I think it might have been intended for Donald Trump. It says something about financial crisis. I'm sure we can help with that <laughs> either sure way. We, it sounds important. I'm sure we can help with that. We're angels. We understand the concept of money in the free market. Um yep. But yeah, so so um off he goes and he runs into jennifer connelly i love jennifer connelly can i just point out yeah she's she's great she's great in everything um and here she helps colin farrell to uh to try and find out what's going on and try and decipher his past and discovers that actually he is this ancient man who hasn't aged um but along the way we discover the true meaning of the wishes so the miracle was meant to be he keeps uh, um, Beverly alive, but that's not the case. In fact, it's it's keeping Jennifer Connelly's uh, sick daughter alive instead. Yeah, and that's the true miracle. So, so there's he runs into him in a park and then immediately is like, "Hey, hey, stranger, pick me up." Yeah, hi, random person, can you pick me up, please? And he does because he's nice but secretly i think jennifer connelly should be going do not touch my daughter strange yeah. long-haired man in the park <laughs> um but yeah and, and there's a guy who flips a coin next to them is he the angel yeah so he's another angel isn't he right um he he's the angel friend who was back in the 1900s but then is also um is also there again so i think he's another guardian angel character isn't he right okay um, so we get. I wasn't really following the angel bit, if I'm honest. Yeah, there's was just, an- was angels just talking about the horse. Angels everywhere. Um, and uh, but then uh, yeah, so it turns out that in this movie you thought you were going to get just the one miracle, but actually two for the price of one because it turns out that uh, Beverly had a miracle wish as well, which was for Colin Farrell to not die until he fulfilled his wish, which he yeah. does, which was to help someone else not die. Yeah, in an ever perpetuating cycle of not death that's how it works that's how you <laughs> yeah. beat will smith yeah um 
<laughs> but yeah, but Jennifer Connelly has the best line in the movie, which is she she sees this photo of um old Colin Farrell and goes, "What's happening here?" And all of us would like to know that, Jennifer Connelly. We'd all like to know what's happening here. <laughs> your father? Is that your father? Like, no, his father was Fivel Mouskowitz or whatever who appeared at the beginning of the <laughs> exactly. film on the exactly. ship from Russia who had to go away and then put him in the toy boat. Um, played by uh, Matt Bomer, who is an actual actor in lots of things, who has this tiny, tiny role in this movie. And just, in those tiny glasses that yeah. can make anyone look hilarious. And it makes you think, what are you doing, man? You're you're really good. Why are you in this movie for like two minutes? This is an all-star cast, man. It is. The, the cast of this movie is so good. And people do not remember this film. Um, you know, I, no. I remember seeing trailers for it and then not remembering it until it came time to decide upon which movies we were going to watch for the podcast for Christmas this year. Um and and it, I've never heard of it until you said it. Yeah, and and it's kind of it's kind of disappeared from from con- from public consciousness a bit, which I think is a shame because it's a it's a fun, weird little movie that that I think you could watch and enjoy and laugh at quite a lot. Yeah, it's a, it was a box office bomb, wasn't it? Yes, it did. <laughs> it did not do well. Budget seventy five million, box office thirty point eight million. Yes, um, it was Ouch. going it was going for the Christmas smash market. Um, but uh, but did not succeed in that, um, which is which is a shame because I think you know this movie deserves a bit more love, but not necessarily yeah, sure. not necessarily its director. Who uh, <laughs> do you, do you know who directed this movie? Akiva Goldsman. Yes, I don't know much about him. So he has written some not great stuff over the years. <laughs> so he's been recently he's done some really good things so he's done a lot of work with star trek um okay and some very positive uh some very positive star trek work recently um and um also he's he's working on an adaptation of ring world which is a, an iconic uh iconic fantasy novel so um hmm. so yeah so there's some interesting stuff in there but he's written some very bad things so um batman forever and batman and robin i believe this means that he is the person yep. behind the line what killed the dinosaurs the ice age <laughs> <laughs> um yeah but he also wrote a beautiful mind he did but he also wrote uh, Lost in Space, the movie uh, starring Matt LeBlanc, which is exactly the kind of film that Joey oh, Tribbiani would have been in. <laughs> um, <laughs> I haven't seen it. He wrote. Um, oh, William Hurt's in that as well. Yeah, he wrote um, The Da Vinci Code and Angels yes. and Demons. The famous man looked yeah. at the red cup on the screen. <laughs> and then he also wrote uh, um, Rings, the very bad uh, sequel to oh, dear. Uh, The Ring that came out recently that is panned by everybody uh wrote uh the dark tower movie adaptation which is another box office bomb oh that's supposed to be terrible yeah which i, I haven't seen i i've read aren't there like 20 books in that series? i think it's 10 books yeah how could you make um, one film out of that well, it's the opposite <laughs> to the peter jackson problem yeah exactly <laughs> um yeah so it, so he's very very hit and miss some of his stuff is a, a real stinkers but other stuff a little Other bit stuff. better. Beautiful shit piece. Yeah, beautiful. He got you've got thin, films like Cinderella Man and Beautiful Mind, which are great. Yeah. Uh, you've got it. Star- oh, says Winter's Tale was his directorial debut. It was, yeah. And after that, um, I haven't seen a lot of what he's done apart from he's done the Star Trek stuff, which is very good. Um, 
so yeah so nothing's been as shit pc as winter's tale which i'm disappointed in um but uh but he is doing an adaptation of rob leefield's and do you know rob leefield the comic book guy yeah Yeah. the comic book guy who who draws people with big muscles yeah Uh, (laughs) famous (laughs) famous for 90s grumpy giant muscled men um so he apparently did a comic series called evangeline which is about oh yes about an angel so he's coming back for angels again cool he loves his angels yeah, he loves he loves angels. his angels. He loves his angels. But yeah, it's it's uh, it's an interesting movie because it's a very bold film. Um, this, um, because um, because it's been referred to as an unfilmable work before. Um, yeah. by by people like Martin Scorsese, who Martin Scorsese is not afraid to make <laughs> very challenging <laughs> works. And That's he, really interesting. And he's he's he, you know this is a guy who made stuff like. You know, Wolf of Wall Street, uh, Goodfellas, Taxi Driver, um, took a look at Winter's Tale and thought, I ain't touching that. Yeah, I do not um, fuck with an angel dog horse. I, yeah, angel dog horse. <laughs> I can't handle that. I can't do that. Um, but uh, but yeah, but but kudos to Akiva Goldson for picking up this movie and thinking, you know what, I'm going to give a crack at it. And... This movie wasn't particularly well liked, but I like it. I'm going to say that I actually enjoyed this movie quite a lot. And it's a very ambitious film, isn't it? And you you do have to appreciate the ambition behind a film when it ends up being a shit piece, and often that's the reason why, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. You um you you reach for the stars, and you end up in the ozone layer, but it's still <laughs> far enough for people like us to enjoy it. Yeah, for sure. I don't think I love it as much as you do. I think I enjoyed it for for what it is as a shit piece. So I don't think I'll be watching it again. But there were lots of, there were lots of things in it that I found entertaining and engaging and silly. And it was yeah, it did it did amuse and entertain me for sure. Yeah, don't get don't get me wrong. This is not um, this is not Jupiter ascending no. um, levels of nonsense. Of, of enjoyable nonsense which i could watch endlessly <laughs> yeah but but this is still it's still an enjoyable film i still enjoyed watching it i don't know if i'll watch it again because i'm old and tired and i don't like rewatching things even that i like these <laughs> days um but um but it, i enjoyed it and i'm glad we watched it yeah it's it's loaded with cosmic bullshit isn't it and yeah. that's really a bad thing exactly it's you know it's the kind of Shit that... There's romance between two people who suddenly love each other more than anything else on earth, but have only known each other five minutes, and one of whom was about to rob, rob the house <laughs> and openly tells her father, yes, I'm a thief. <laughs> yeah, precisely. It's great. And the, her dad's like, okay, fine, just don't sleep in the same bed as her. But yeah. then it's all fine because he saves her father's life by stopping the Arga from blowing up. What is it that he does? It's the furnace. The thing that's about to blow up. It's a furnace. And yeah, he stops the furnace from exploding. Yeah. Um, which, yeah, why, you know, it's great. It's great. And then that gets the dad out of the way. Dad problem solved. Um, yeah, da- there's no emotional dad speech here. No. It doesn't need to be because he's going he's gonna to be fine. But then the girl yeah. dies anyway. So horn section, it's got that kind of weepy period drama sex music, hasn't it? Yeah, Hans Zimmer's version of You Are My Rose, You Are My Rose. <laughs> and yeah. it was actually Hans Zimmer. It was Hans Zimmer. I've not just pulled yeah, that out of right. thin air. Um, 
it's yeah it's the kind of pathetic no one has sex like that no one has sex where they feel like they're going to cry with emotion That's yeah rubbish um <laughs> we've discussed this before on the podcast but sex is best in its movies when it feels sort of fun and entertaining yeah and uh, a bit silly and a bit silly whereas here it's very much oh i love you so much woman i met two weeks ago and yeah. then she dies immediately afterwards <laughs> Yeah, but the dad doesn't blame him because he's happy that he'd stopped the house from blowing up. Yeah, so you know what? My my daughter's dead, but you stopped the house from blowing up. I'd call yeah. that a trade-off. My daughter's dead. You saved her life once from the guys who were chasing her literally because of you. You know, it's it's fine. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, and then he also saves the life of um, the girl at the end, uh, from the same mobsters who are also only chasing them because of him. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I liked how it kind of came full circle there in the end, didn't it? Yeah, Colin Farrell gets chased by mobsters, saves people from the mobsters who are there because of him. A miracle happens, the end. It's great. Before Russell Crowe, who is, you know, like an actual demon, who presumably is a kind of one of Lucifer's demons, would have some kind of magical powers, tries to shoot the magical horse with a gun. Well, yes. Well, it's established by that at that point that he's given up all of his powers to be mortal because he's, he's got to become mortal for no reason. He's got to become to, to win mortal the fight. to to leave his sort of jurisdiction. So his jurisdiction is the devil of New York, right? Um, oh, of course. Yeah, that that was touched upon earlier in the yes, film, wasn't it? He yeah. needed permission to leave New York. Yeah. Um. But uh. But yeah. So so. Shall we go over some of the reviews that this movie received? Sure. Um, so He's got the goddamn horse. He's got the goddamn horse. I just wanted to say that one more time. <laughs> um, so uh, Rolling Stone's Peter Travers said, Winter's Tale is preposterous twaddle, which I think is unfair. <laughs> but, well, I was going to say it's true, but that doesn't mean it's bad. <laughs> no, and it get, gets a zero <laughs> rating because of that. Ouch. Um, uh the the Austin Chronicle said, for those who haven't read the Mark Helprin novel on which Akiva Goldsman's film is based, prepare to be confused, annoyed, bewildered, and yet more annoyed by the director's inability to construct even the most basic of narrative fantasy romances. Um, uh, which is not again, it's not. That really I think nice. is a bit unfair. Yeah, it's a bit mean, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so, I was yeah. confused and annoyed at points, but I was also delighted at other points. <laughs> yeah, I enjoyed the nonsense of it um uh rex reed though uh of observer said the best uh gave the best review saying movies get crazier and more incomprehensible every day but you don't know demented until you see winter's tale (laughs) (laughs) that's true you know all these kind of incomprehensible marvel films it's better than any of them yeah exactly this is great um (laughs) i'd rather watch this than green lantern 18 or Justice League Dawn of Bullshit or whatever the hell is coming out next year. I like how you said Marvel movies and then gave examples of two DC properties. (laughs) Mr. I Know Comics, man. The nerds are going to love that, aren't they? I'm Paddy. I Know Comics. My favourite Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. I'm bored of superhero movies, though. I really am. Um, Yeah, we need more films like Winter's Tale. We do. that's the thing that I think is the ultimate... 
truth, the reason why we celebrate the shit piece on this podcast, because there aren't enough of them, you know. There aren't enough films where you watch it and you go, well, that was bewildering and strange and silly, but here we are. Yeah, where's... We need more movies that are unexpected, don't we? And you don't get those 100%. movies. 100%. Um, you know, you go in, you go into a Marvel movie and nothing unexpected happens. Um, you go into a Winter's Tale and within five minutes you've seen Baby Boat and Magic Horse. <laughs> Baby Boat and Magic Horse. Yeah, which is the new series. Sounds like a duo. dynamic new duo. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Name um, a more iconic duo. I'll wait. <laughs> exactly. Um, so yeah, we need more movies like this. We need strange films. We need movies that are willing to take risks. We need, we need films like Jupiter Ascending, like Winter's Tale. Um, what other really... shit pieces have we done? Are there any that spring to mind? I was just looking back over my over my um, list of films that we've done. Maybe those two, those are the these are the kind of two big ones now, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. It's a good benchmark for shit pieces. Yeah. Um, but yes, yeah, so we we need films like this. I'm sick of going into a film and knowing exactly what's going to happen um, before I even see the trailer. Uh, there's been nothing oh, yeah. unexpected in any Marvel film. And then you watch the trailer, and the trailer shows you the whole film. <laughs> well, yes, yeah, um, but but yeah, which you, has been you a problem since literally like 90s, before but... you go into watching the first Marvel movie, Iron Man, you knew exactly what was going to happen when, um, and that hasn't. He was going to get cast in Iron. It, that hasn't changed in any of those movies, even though you know, and and they can be enjoyable to watch, they can be exciting, but they're never going to test you. They're never going to make you think, hmm, that's interesting. Or, oh, I didn't expect that to happen. I think there's only a few examples of things that have been really interesting in the in the Marvel movies. And you've got Iron Man 3 does something interesting with a character, which some fans hated anyway because it wasn't what they were expecting. Um, you've got Black Panther, Black uh, which good. is a great film. I like that. Um, you've got captain america the the winter soldier which is basically a jason bourne movie but where captain america is jason bourne um captain america the winter's tale (laughs) exactly um and then you've got obviously the guardians of the galaxies movies but they they're kind of given a bit more wriggle room because nobody gives a shit about the guardians of the galaxy beforehand Um, yeah so it's for such a popular franchise i feel like it's very restrictive and I don't like my movies to be restrictive. I like my movies to have flaws and be weird, but be interesting. And maybe that's yeah. why I found Winter's Tale refreshing in that way. Yeah, a hundred percent. It's it's quite out there. Yeah, it's 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 nonsense, isn't it? It's nonsense, but yeah, sometimes you need nonsense. a bit of nonsense. Yeah, and yeah, I always enjoy people trying to film an unfilmable work, which was something that we talked about with I'm Thinking of Ending Things, wasn't it? Yes. Which, yeah. you know, obviously was not a great film, but there was a lot to like about it. And there is actually, you wouldn't think that there's any common ground between this film and that, but that is where it is, isn't it? Yeah, it's 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 nonsense that is interesting in parts. But yeah, but I think I'm Thinking of Ending Things could have really been improved with a flying horse and Russell Crowe. Yeah. Definitely. He just, yeah, David Thewlis turns around suddenly it's actually Russell Crowe and he goes, he's got the goddamn horse. (laughs) And then suddenly they're flying through the high school on a horse and there's a pig and a naked man. Yeah. Yeah, this would be great. This would be great. Um, But yeah, right. So have you got anything else you want to share about? Um, Just uh, did you watch the end credits? uh, I did not. No. Oh, I did. It was like one of those kind of morbid funeral, morbid things they show at funerals of like had like romantic weepy music over like loads of like soft 
focused pictures of um, Peter and Beverly. It was hilarious. I couldn't stop laughing. <laughs> Beautiful. I'll need to go back and watch that. That sounds amazing. Um, I tried to take a screenshot for you, but weirdly, Netflix on your phone, if you take a screenshot, it doesn't screenshot the image. Oh, suspicious. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, so a little bit of a little bit of trivia for you. Um, so Steven Spielberg also had the film rights to this movie, but didn't make it. Hmm. Um, uh, according to Colin Farrell, Russell Crowe personally choreographed most of their fight scenes. (laughs) Of course he did. (laughs) Um, Colin Farrell, uh, people that were considered for that role include Tom Hiddleston, um, Aaron Taylor Johnson, Luke Evans. Oh my God. Uh, Don't tell me that. I'm (laughs) now really upset that that doesn't exist um and liam hemsworth as well actually to be honest i would rather have had liam hemsworth as um peter lake and luke evans as russell crowe no 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 russell crowe <laughs> is untouchable in this movie um, i want to see luke evans's fake irish gangster accent <laughs> i mean i would love to see that as well but or maybe they just let him be welsh he can he can be another character just add him as another devil be great yeah. the welsh demon um, and in terms of other people that were up for the role of Beverly Penn, you had Bella Heathcott, Lily Collins, uh, Sarah Gaddon, uh, Gabriella Wilde, and Elizabeth Olsen. Yeah. All right. So this could have been a very um, could have been a very different movie. For sure. Yeah. I think Colin Farrell was good. Uh, yes. Yeah. I, I I I really like Colin Farrell. I think he's underrated. You believed him, didn't you? Yeah. You believed that he was a, a cheeky thief who stumbled across a magic horse and then fell off a bridge and then fell off a bridge yeah so um but yeah so right so how are we going to rate winter's tale Ooh, how many years do you have to live after falling off the bridge before you get your miracle so i don't have to wait very long um obviously not as long as as colin farrell but uh i have to wait 13 years mm, that's quite that's quite a few not as not as many as me i, I i'll go 10 Fair enough, fair enough. Halfway there. Um, yeah, I enjoyed this film. It's really stupid and really nonsensical, <laughs> but I like it. There's something charming about it. Yeah. And it's festive. And it is very festive. Festive as hell. It's very festive. Um, but that's the final movie officially of Christmas time. It is, yes. Although the next episode will come out on New Year's Day, so we thought we'd sort of vaguely continue doing festive, wintry films, didn't we? Yes, exactly. Um, So do the honours, Paddy. Let our listeners know who's up next. It's a double bill, the things we talked about before. Frozen and Frozen 2. Yes. Which we've both seen, both of them already, but we're going to rewatch them. Yep, going to rewatch and... uh talk about it i have feelings that i will not share yet um but i'm sure to let it go i'm sure that we will be taken into the unknown during our discussion (laughs) yep definitely but you know some things never change and the main thing is on this show we talk a lot of bullshit (laughs) exactly exactly cosmic bullshit cosmic everything happens for a reason Yes, precisely. And stuff. So, you know, the angels are looking out for you. <clears throat> yeah, Colin Farrell, I literally just saw him riding past on a magic horse. So, you know, these things happen. Yep. 
it'll all be all right in the end. Yep, it'll all be fine. Yep. But this episode's coming out on Christmas Day, so Merry Christmas to you, one and all, despite the bizarre and strange year we're having and the strange circumstances in which Christmas is happening. We hope you're having a lovely time and managing to, you know, relax and look after yourself and have fun, because you've earned it. Yeah, Merry Christmas, everybody. You're great. Yeah. You are great. So, have a good one. And we'll be back next week to talk about Frozen and Frozen 2. Alrighty. Bye-bye. Bye.